So, um, I have this friend, and we have this bet that I need to get your phone number. So, he said he isn't into me, and now I want him more than ever. Hi, I'm Jane. Hi. So, how many kids do you want to have? Uh, marriage? We've only been dating seven years. So, I have a question. Will you move in with me? It's not you, it's me. This month at Epic Life, we're talking about dating and relationships. That's every Thursday night at 7 p.m. in the Performing Arts Center. All righty, you guys ready to get started? Man, we got tons of guys here. That's good news because I get to beat down on you guys, right? Oh, ladies, man, here we go. So, where, where are the fellas at? Can I hear you guys? That's right. Man. We need some weapons to, to destroy things or something right now, right? Man. Baseball bats. Can you guys watch Destroyed in Seconds, that show on Discovery, anybody? Yeah, Our Man vs. Wild? Love it. I don't care about you guys. I'm just here for these guys. No, I'm just kidding. So tonight is going to be awesome. So uh, I'm so excited about uh, this series that we get to go through and we get to talk about relationships and dating and you know, what's interesting is that we look in the Bible when everyone was arranged in their marriages, which I'm going to do if I have a daughter, but a lot of us, we have to pick and choose, and we have to go through this thing in our culture called dating, and so uh, I just think that a lot of people that talk about these days are old, irrelevant, don't know what's going on, and so we're here to give you the discussion and the talk and a dialogue about what God might have for us uh, being here in our culture and our time, and so we're super excited. I got my wife here. Check her out. <laughs> One of these guys, right, huh? Um, so, <laughs> why don't we pray? I think we need help tonight. All right. So, God, we just welcome you here tonight, Lord. God, we pray that you would prepare, God, the words that would proceed from our mouths. And, Lord, that you would line it with your anointing, your power, your truth. And, Lord, that we'd have an unwavering commitment to your highest and your best. Lord, help us to understand, God, the, the depths that you want us to come to grips with. And God, we just pray that this wouldn't be a night where we just hear things and talk about things, but God, that there would be transformation. God, that there would be action. God, there would be movement. Lord, there would be a higher commitment. And so we ask you that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. So, fellas, this is a night where I get to kind of lay into you guys. Not in a bad way, but in a, in a way in which we get to get excited because God has given all of us a high calling and a high opportunity to experience his best. Several weeks ago, I think a couple months ago, we did uh, a series called Sex in an X-Rated Generation and Culture. And so we talked about how sex has been completely perverted in our culture to where it's, it's all about all things that God isn't. When sex is actually the essence of God's heart for us. And we began to retool what this whole entire sex thing is about how really it's the closest thing that we can come to an intimate relationship with Jesus. And that's the closest physical representation that we have as humans. And so we began to retool what we think about that. And so tonight we get to talk about the pathway to that in dating. And uh, I'm, uh, I, I say this without bragging in total humility, but I think I have the best marriage on the face of the planet. I really do. We're talking about it and we're just like, we are so stinking blessed, but yet we've gone through such amazing transition from our lives and having two lives that were completely separate come to one and be able to find God in the middle of it and find his best. And so last week, I know I listened to Cole online. I wish I was here with you guys. 
And I, I heard him talk, and I know that he gave a lot of things about some of the hard realities of marriage. And a lot of that is true. There is a lot of challenge. But I'm also here to tell you that you will find your greatest fulfillment in the source of your wife. You will find the greatest joy in the source of your wife. You'll find the greatest pleasure in the source of your wife. You know what I mean? You know? All right, okay. You'll find the greatest source of your dreams in the source of your wife. And last, you'll find your greatest encourager, your greatest champion, someone who can take you to heights that you've never realized or ever dreamt with your wife. That is the ultimate prize. That is the standard. That's what all of us, if we're honest, we want all of that. We want to seek that. And the good news is that we have the free will and the choice to be able to attain that if we choose. If we choose. That's the, the key component. And here is, is an edge of a sword that that is the greatest, the highest, the highest is the other side of that sword is that a wife, when we blow it, when the relationship goes south, can be the source of the greatest discontent. It can be the source of the greatest sorrow, the source of the greatest pain, the source of the greatest defeat, and the source of the greatest discouragement. And so the stakes are amazingly high. You can either go to the peak of that mountain or you can go to the depths of that valley. And I'm excited because tonight we're going to talk about some ways that God has designed it for us to avoid the depths of the depths. And we can do some things now in the course of dating in which we can pursue that and find that. So uh, my father-in-law, uh, when I went and, and asked for his hand, or not for his hand, for his daughter's hand in marriage, <laughs> trust me, um, he, uh, first it was about a three-hour conversation, um, and then at the end of it, he kind of said, you know, well, I don't think she's going to say yes, so you can go ahead and go for it. Um, and I'll get into that part later. But one of the things he said is that, I promise you this, when it's good, it'll be really good. And when it's bad, it'll be really, really bad. And I was so discouraged from that. I was like, what a bummer outlook for that. Why do you need to take the yin and the yang together? It, there's got to be some way in which you can pursue and define the best and the highest of the high. I don't want to have this, this swinging pendulum of the best and the worst. I want to have it good all the time. So, I think it would be good to first define what is marriage. I mean, after all, if we look at dating, dating is really kind of the on-ramp to marriage, right? So I'm just going to give you kind of my interpretation. Marriage is, first and foremost, for God's glory. It is second to understand God better. Remember in, in John 17.3, it says, This is eternal life, that you would know the true God and His Son. And that know there is like, you know, you know. It's, like, it's talking about Adam knowing Eve sexually. That is to know God. It's through marriage. So it's to know God better. It is to further his kingdom, and we'll talk about that. What does it mean to further God's kingdom in this whole thing of marriage? And last, for our pleasure. That is the purpose of marriage. So I just want to kind of get that framework there. And what is dating? Dating is the on-ramp, is the, the vetting process for potential life partners and to prepare the transition to marriage. Dating is all that, that precursor to all that stuff. So we have the highest of high over here, and we get a plan and our course and find our way to there. Cool? So I'm going to get a little holy on you guys. I'm going to bust out some scripture real quick for you. This is easy. You guys know all the scriptures. It's Genesis chapter 2. And this is the very first romantic relationship. This is 2.15. And it says... says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. 
And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the beasts of the field and all the birds of the air. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the living stock, all the living creatures, the livestock, the birds of the air, and all the beasts of the field. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and will be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. That's it. Two things in here. Is we see two covenants being issued in this context. The first covenant, and this is what all of us miss, is that the very first thing God did is he gave Adam an assignment. See that in the very first sentence? It says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. So the first thing God did is he issued him a calling. The second thing is he issued him Eve, his counterpart, his wife. So as we look at here, we see that, that the calling was the first of two components, and Eve was the part that, that completed it. And Adam was like, I don't find any suitable helper. What is going on? I need to, this isn't complete yet. And so God then made woman to complete a two-part covenant. It's vital that we understand this because this is the very first issue I wanted to deliver to you guys tonight. Is that we look at God's scripture and we said that first, God issued the calling and then the woman. He didn't issue the woman and then the calling. What is your calling? If you don't have a calling and you don't have a woman, Maybe those are related. Because here's the deal is that woman, the, the God that God, the gift that God has given you through your calling is to be encouraged, supplemented, taking you to the highest of highs through your wife. That's how God designed it. The purpose of marriage is to, again, remember, further God's kingdom. And so when God gave Adam his assignment and his mission, he also gave him Eve. And then the mission was complete. So I ask you tonight. What is your mission? What it, where's your life going? Do you know? I've looked all throughout the Bible. I cannot find one aimless man who's ever given a wife. I, don't, I just don't find it. I don't find some guy sitting on the couch and, and all of a sudden, boom, you know, here comes a woman. And that's not a fair interpretation because in this day and age, we get to choose our spouses and we can choose whatever we want. We can choose how we live, where we go, what we do. But I think it's really important to see in here that, that the purpose of marriage, again, God out of the long things in addition to our pleasure is to say, I'm going to bring someone to help you with the calling and the fulfillment of your life and the fulfillment of my plan and purpose. But I think a lot of us maybe might say, I don't know what my calling is. What is it? I think when we don't have clarity over our calling, our life direction, we're not going to have clarity in who that person is going to be that comes alongside us. That's the responsibility God has given us. So if we don't have clarity in there, how can we expect that we'd have clarity in the person that God would deliver to us to take that relationship to fulfill God's purpose? The two are together. I also think it's worthy that we would be men worth following. 
Again, our commitment, our responsibility as men in a marriage relationship is to be the leader and to go and to cast vision and to lead the charge. We need to be men that are worthy of following because that's our role. So we need to think about now in the, the context of dating, we don't need to put tunnel vision on where's a woman, where's a woman, where's a woman. We need to first be like, God, where are you, where are you taking me? And once we get that straight, then we can begin to look and say, who is running the same path with me? I've said many times, if you want to find a wife, run to God as hard and as fast as you humanly can, and then look over next to you and see who's running beside you. That is God's very first design and blueprint. As we find where we're going, we find God. What is your plan? What is your purpose? What is your potential for me? I'm going to run there, and I'm going to look beside and see who's running with me. But I think a lot of us, maybe if we're honest, is that we kind of are looking at our feet, shuffling around. So I want to encourage you guys. Women want a man to follow. They want a man who's going to take charge and climb that mountain, who's going to take his hands and he's going to do something with his life. That is very, very attractive to women, right? Want, want, right? Gosh, I know this is true, so help me out here. You guys didn't do a very good job there. So, honestly, I can't stress the importance enough of figuring who you are out and to find the path and begin to mark that journey. Because God's blueprint is for a woman to join you in that pursuit. Got it? Number two is not to settle. I think a lot of us, we kind of get the the rough going, we kind of get cozy and and nice, and we kind of give up sometimes. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and what? All else will be given unto you. All else. So what he's talking about is like your basic needs, your food, your water, your shelter, right? All your basic stuff. It says, first seek God, and I will give you like the basics, right? So, if that is the case, how much more, when we seek God, is he going to give us a woman to partner with us in our life calling, in our mission, in a God-ordained structure? Got that? If, if we seek God and he promises to meet our basic needs, how much more is he going to give us someone amazing, if we seek God first, who will empower us and to become the man, the men that God wants us to be? It makes total sense. There's no reason God wouldn't do that. But what we do is we begin to settle, though. And maybe some of us are in relationships. I had a buddy who acknowledged that dating relationships, you stay in way too long, and marriages, you give up way too early. And maybe some of us were in relationships, or we've been in relationships, and it's just too easy right now just to kind of let it go. Coasting and neutral, right? It's not great, it's not bad, I'll just kind of stick here, right? That's kind of what our little joke was about why get married? We've only been dating seven years. That's someone that's in neutral. Again, the purpose of dating is to be on that on-ramp, that transition to finding someone who you're going to partner your life with for God's furtherment, for his glory, for his kingdom. It's just not about sex. It's not about just having babies. It's, it, I know that's maybe not the huge concern for you guys, but it's like all about fulfilling God's plan. And all these cool things are, are along with it. I also find it that it's, it's interesting that, that maybe some of us, if we're, you know, in that position, it's really, isn't it, like, shooting for third place? You know, no, you don't meet anybody who's like, man, I really want to finish third. You know? In Beijing, the, the men's uh, swimming, the 4 by 100 who won this past year? 
Michael Phelps, right? Right? You guys know that. Michael Phelps, he came away with, what, eight gold medals or something crazy? Who finished third? I don't know. Who cares, right? Yeah, exactly. Who cares? And if I'm honest with you guys, is when I turned my sights to Camille, I had A, first gotten my relationship with God, right? I found out what my calling was, and I was going to pursue that. And then I was like, whoa, hey. And I was like, yeah. But you know what the first thing in my mind was? She's out of my league. It's my first thing I thought. And I was like, oh, man. Ah, it's, it's a few rungs too high up on the ladder for me. That's what I thought. That's not God's best. God doesn't design people who are out of your league. Right? You, you need to have a mindset that when God is with you, who can be against you? If you want a woman and you set your sights and you have everything dialed with God, is that he's going to give you a woman beyond your dreams. I meet so many people who are so discouraged. They just look at their feet and like, there's no hope. There's no potential. It sounds like Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh, right? I'm here to tell you, you can totally marry out of your league, I promise you. You can totally do it, but I don't want you guys to be in a mindset where you begin to pick your choices out of scarcity. That all the attractive women don't love God. Or all the good women are all taken. Or all that stuff. Don't operate out of a a scarcity mindset. Operate out of the mindset that God, your generous father, wants to bless you with the most awesome wife who wants to have sex all the time. Right? That's what you want. I know it. So, don't settle. Nervous giggling, I love it. Don't settle. Keep in mind that when you seek God, is that God's desire is to give you the best, the highest, the most wonderful. So don't begin to calculate what your potential is. It's so discouraging to God when you tell God what you're worth because he looks at you and he's like, you have no idea what you're worth to me. I died on a cross for you. How can you not even trust me that I bring you a wife that you love, that you care for? So don't be discouraged. Be confident. Have a calling. Charge after it. Expect the best. The third is recognize your responsibilities. And this is, this is interesting. So if I'm up here and I'm playing catch with Sean, right, and we're like throwing like a little football, or we're throwing, we're throwing basketball because we play basketball here, and he and I are bounce pass, you know, I'm like doing something behind the back or something. And then we go over to the next room, and all of a sudden we are in the state championships, and I'm supposed to get in there and play point guard. I mean, that is what dating and marriage is. If I would have known that we were going to go over there and play for the highest of the highest rewards, I would be in here push-ups, wind sprints, I would be doing drills, I would be practicing because I know that my role when I get over there is so much higher. And I think that we need to begin, if we want to be men in marriages, we need to even look at what does God design for marriage? What does he require of us? And so we need to have a frank and honest conversation about, okay, if I'm here and I want to be there, what does over there look like? It's the same thing. I mean, we're just playing catch. Oh, this is kind of cool. As long as you're a Christian, I'm good. And then you get in marriage, and all of a sudden, the expectation is different. And this all presupposes that you desire a God-based relationship, that you desire God's highest and best in dating. If you don't want that, then this is irrelevant. But you need to know that once you step into that marriage arena, a whole bunch of things change. And this is the way that God designed it. You can research in Ephesians 5. You can read all about it. But a few of the things that I've learned is, one, we need to understand the rule of dying. You get married at a wedding altar, right? Altar. As in, things die on altars, okay? 
So we're there, you know, you're there, you're giving your vows, you're at an altar. That is symbolically the death of your old self. To come to grips with what it means when you enter into marriage of dying to yourself. It's not, hey, I get to have sex anytime I want, and I get to do all these other things, and I just keep living my life however I want. No. The purpose as we come together is that you would die to self. The second thing is that you are called to be the leader. Leadership is the most terrifying thing. A lot of us want to shy away from it. We want to put maybe somebody else in place. Or we just kind of want to not make the waves. I walked into our marriage and, and struggled to find, man, what does it really mean to be the leader? What does that mean? It means having vision, having an idea, having a plan. Where is your relationship going? What do you want to do? What are the decisions? You're going to be confronted with so many things. And you need to be able to have the mindset, the power of God over you to, to say, this is where our marriage goes. This is where we head as a couple. And you do that together, but you are called by God to have the vision, the foresight, to be on your knees petitioning God for the hearts of both of you. That is your responsibility. And so to lead, do you hate leadership? You better get over it if you want to get married. Because if you don't lead, then the world is going to dictate where you go. And we know the world has a horrible idea of what marriage should be. We look around, we see divorce everywhere. We see people copping out. I, th- I really think it's because we don't have men who desire to be leaders. Women love leaders, right? Got it. So, next is, is serving. The art of having your needs be secondary to your wife's. If you get into marriage and you think it's all about you, you are going to have a bummer time. Because when you come together and you become one flesh, it's no longer all about you. It's about others, and specifically your wife. God calls you to serve her, to present her holy, spotless, and pure for God, washing her through the water of the word, Ephesians 5.25. You are to serve her and to love her and to present her to God, blameless and spotless. That's pretty heavy. Right? This is all because, you know, we're playing catch and dating, right? We're just bouncing around. You know, that is laying ahead for us. Investigating, what does that mean to to be fighting and serving your wife on behalf of God? To present her to God. I'd love to talk to any of you guys about what that is anytime. The last thing is fighting. Let me talk about this because this is the one I was not prepared for at all. I had no idea that when I got married... I thought it was total cruise control. It was like one of those big check marks that you just kind of get a get out of way of life, and you're like, man, I'm glad that's over. And I kind of feel that way still. You know, I'm, I don't ever want to go back to dating. I'm so stoked because on this side of it, it is awesome. But I had no idea that I had to fight for the heart of my wife. I had no idea I had to fight for my marriage. And what does that mean? You are personally responsible for the health, the well-being, the care, the love, the support of your wife. And there's all these things that are coming after you and after your marriage and try and steal away time and attention and try and seed influence and seed death. And you need to be able to stand firm and not be a wuss and sit back. You need to be able to deliver the truth and toe a line about your marriage, about where the marriage is going to go and where it's not. It's not going to be influenced by your in-laws, by your parents, by your brother, sister, money, by anything. It's got to be defined by you. And you need to put a barrier around your wife and protect your wife. You need to fight for her. 
We've gone through amazing challenges with just the transition of breaking free from both of our families because you bring all these things together and you have these tendencies that you want to go do this or that or this way or, or this and, and you have all this influence and this pressure. You want to please people. You want people to love you. And there has to be a certain point at no cost to pleasing anybody. I don't care if it offends every person in this room. This is what is right for our marriage. And you have to fight for that. And if you don't, you're going to be beat down and you're going to wind up in divorce. If you don't choose to fight for your marriage, because eventually you're going to get worn out and worn down and you're not going to care anymore. And so knowing that there's a battle lying in wait for you as a leader, as having a vision, as having a calling, as not settling, you need to fight and take what is yours. It's totally there. I just had no idea that I'd be waiting for me on the other side. So I say all of those things to know that playing catch right now is great. But ultimately, studying and knowing what is laying in wait for you and the privilege and the responsibilities that are waiting for you are awesome. That, those things, that is how you get to the highest of fulfillment, the highest joy, the highest pleasure, the dreams, the encouragement, all that stuff. All that comes through knowing your responsibilities. I really believe that God is going to give you a woman only to your ability to lead her. Can I say that one more time? God is only going to give you a woman to the capacity of your ability to lead her. Meaning, if you can't lead a woman, God might not bring a powerful woman for you to lead. If your inability to take a woman and to present her and to encourage her and to love her the way that God's designed, then don't expect a huge opportunity for you. Because those things God is going to pull together. He wants you to have a woman that is worthy of your heart, of your heart's desire. But you need to own up to the responsibility that might entail. So don't settle. Stand up and know your responsibilities. And last, don't ask God to bless the mess. If you got a mess in a relationship now, stop asking God to bless what he's already condemned. You guys know what I'm saying. If you're in a relationship and you know, and you can ask yourself this one simple question. Is God honored in that relationship? And if you say no, then I think you better be careful about your prayers about asking God to bless it. If you are in a relationship that is filled with compromise, that is filled with idolatry, that is filled with immorality, right now in dating relationship, I don't know how you can expect that God would grant you this all a powerful, wonderful, carefree, awesome marriage. It doesn't line up because God is not going to bless something he's already condemned. And so you need to bring a relationship and bring it right. And God gives forgiveness. There's a difference between messing up and transgressors. There's a difference between occasional bumps or whatever and planning for the flesh, planning for demise, using girls for their bodies. There's a difference there. And so we need to have the recognition that if we are not hearing God, if we don't experience God in our dating relationships now, and we're like, where is God in my dating relationship? I wonder you think of maybe if your actions are in a place where God is actively speaking to you, or if it's being all clouded like this. Because this is what happens. When you get into compromise and you get into sin and temptation, slowly your ears begin to close up. Don't believe me? John 14, 21. He who has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will also be loved by my Father, and I too will love him, and I will reveal myself to him. Jesus is saying, if you 
have his commands, if you follow them, is that God will love you and Jesus will reveal himself to you. If we're not following God's commands, if we're not listening, maybe something's up with our actions. We can't expect God to bless this mess that we have. If we're in a mess, again, this is practice for leadership. We need to get out of a relationship that's going nowhere. Just because the sex is good, just because it's comfortable, just because we like each other, just because our families like each other. If it is not going towards the transition of a lifelong partnership to honor and to glorify God, then you need to get out. You're wasting your time. You're not only wasting your time, you're probably missing the opportunity to meet that girl, and you're probably holding her from meeting the guy that she's supposed to have. If you already know that it's a done deal, it's never going to happen, there's no hope in this relationship, then you need to get out. I see so many guys who stay in relationships because it's just comfortable. When you're called to lead and to make decisive action and steps. And so if you're in one of those, if you're in a mess, I can't encourage you guys enough to own up. And to say, you know what, God has something higher for me. I made those mistakes. I'm going to own up to those mistakes. But you know what, I'm going to jump on a path. And I'm going to believe that God is going to do something through me. So it's all about your choices and your decisions now. Know those ahead of time. Know that that's the standard of which God is calling you guys as men. It's all about the decisions we make now. Who we find, who we talk to, who we ask out. And I don't have any issue with asking a girl out for a date and a coffee or whatever. And you find out maybe on a couple of dates, if there's like some potential there. There's nothing wrong with that. But when you enter into a relationship and we spend months and months and even years and you know there's no hope for that thing to transition, you're doing God a disservice and you're doing yourself a disservice. And more importantly, you're doing her a disservice and her future spouse a disservice. So we need to to have all these things in mind as we enter into, okay, now as I come into a relationship, do I have my junk together? Yes, no. If I don't, okay, I need to get on the fast track to find God. What is your plan, your hope? Who am I in you? What do I need to do? Okay, I, now I got that straight. Okay, I'm dialed. So Jesus has transformed my life. I am going there. This is where I'm going with God, right? Then next, okay, where is the awesome wife? I'm not going to settle. I'm going to wait. I'm going to seek God first because I know he's going to bring the best person that is higher than any standard for me. I know my responsibilities. I've studied them. When the time for marriage comes, I am ready. I'm hitting the ground running. I'm going to lead this woman. I'm going to fight for her honor. I'm going to swing swords. I'm going to do all these things. I'm going to own this relationship like it's my life calling. And why does it matter? Again, because your life calling and your spouse are intimately tied. That those two will, lie, will rise and fall together. So we need to be careful of the decisions we make. That's what I got for the guys. Capiche? You guys all cool? All right. Uh, is your mic on? Green light is flashing. This way. Not not on? I can change it. Yep, I'll change it. <laughs> oh, oh now you're on. Woo. Hello. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> to get my notes out. <laughs> but 
I kind of was asking Eric, I didn't really understand why this was called Battle of the Sexes, because girls win everything, and, <laughs> but, you know, if it makes guys feel better. <laughs> no, I've got the mic. <laughs> so, I'm like, honestly, I'm like, just tell guys, like, stop being losers, and I'll tell girls to not date the losers, and we're all good. <laughs> wow. <laughs> no, that's not very oh, nice. Oh, man. <laughs> We're going to go long tonight. It's He's on. He's going to regret giving this to me. Um, Look out the submit verses, right? No, I'm just kidding. No. We're not reading those ones. <laughs> That's a different time. Um, so I was really excited to talk to you guys about dating. And at first I thought about it, and I was like, I don't have the handbook for dating. I don't think there's an exact formula that works. And so I was kind of just brainstorming. So I decided for fun, I wrote down, like, everything I've done wrong in my dating life. And before me, right? Before Eric. And um, that took up, I thought your mic was off. <laughs> and that took like four pages, like single space typed. And so I realized we don't have time to listen to my saga. <laughs> but what a mess I was. And um, so I kind of, uh, so I first thought, I want to speak to women, but I'm, I'm speaking to Christian women because I think if you're a Christian woman, you've heard kind of the Sunday school version of dating. At least this is what I got. Just a marry a Christian guy and don't have sex. And then they give you a slap on the wrist and out you go. And that's what I was taught. That's pretty much as much as I was taught. And I think for a lot of Christian women, that's all they really hear is, you know you're supposed to be with a Christian. And you know, you know you're not supposed to be having sex before you're married. But it doesn't seem to be working. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but all my girlfriends that I talk to, most of them have, are currently in relationships that give them a lot of pain and heartache, or they come from a lot of relationships. And I just see a lot of pain, I see a lot of heartache, I see a lot of loneliness, um, a lot of regret, and I just am kind of tired of it. And I just, thinking about talking to you guys tonight, I just wanted to share kind of from my personal journey and how I think that applies to dating uh, the last couple years, I have had a real personal journey of seeking truth. I've gotten really tired of just my happiness being dependent on the world. And when I mean world, I mean everything that's not God. So lies. And those lies would be from family, friends, just society, like culture pressure. Um, I soak a lot of lies into myself. And I just became really unhappy doing that. And so I went through a really long process of trying to figure out what's true. Because when you know what's true and you cling to that, well, if it's not the truth, it's a lie. And you can let that go. And I have found so much freedom in my life doing that. And we're talking about dating tonight. So I thought it would be really cool to kind of dig up, like, what are some of the lies that we believe about dating? And some of the lies we tell ourselves about dating. And then what's the truth? And I think doing that and speaking that out loud and admitting to it, we're going to get a lot of freedom. And when we speak the lies, and I tell you some of the ones I came up with, um, then I can also tell you um, the ways I screwed up. So <laughs> it will all relate. And, I mean, personally, I don't believe that marriage is supposed to be a drudgery. I don't believe it's like a ch ball and chain or else why do it. I don't believe that dating is supposed to be confusing or painful or hurtful. Um, I don't believe we're supposed to be lonely if we're not dating or carry these feelings of rejection with us because that's not from God. Um, 
and I do believe that if we cling to truth, and that includes truth in dating, um, God will be faithful, and he will give us clarity. So it might not be in our timing, but he will do it. So let's dive in. Um, and by the way, the world, I was thinking some of the lies that have spoken to me, and the world, what I mean, like your family too, I was thinking about my feminist grandma who told me that when I got married, like, she had all these high hopes for me, and then I got married, and she was just really sad. And, you know, I just think about, like, you know, the, the, you know your girlfriends that, like, what, what's the point of getting married and just, like, settling down for one guy, and, you know, and it's way more fun to date, and then you hear about how much dating sucks, and there's just so much stuff, and I feel like I got it all, and um, so I don't, I don't want it to happen anymore. And so the first one I have is um, this whole Christian guy thing. And I am a total, like, admit that I kind of varied the level of, like, how Christian the guy had to be by, like, how hot he was. <laughs> so <laughs> if he was, like, really hot, like, you kind of just have to be that strong of a Christian, you know? Like, it's amazing, like, how the things we tell ourselves as Christian women. And I hear it from you guys, and I hear it from everybody I talk to. I mean, I don't know how many of you have dated guys and kind of told yourself that he's a Christian, well, he comes to church with me, you know, or um, he's really open to it. I've definitely heard that one a lot. Or he believes in God. I mean, I don't know how many of you have talked to girlfriends that they know they should be dating Christian God, and they're like, well, he believes in God, you know, or he's really open to it, and so that makes it all okay, but that's not true. And I had that um, a serious relationship, actually, the one real serious relationship I had before Eric was a Christian guy, and he kind of checked everything off the list for me, and no comment. Um, Eric actually knew this guy, so they're very different people. But anyways, thank you, Lord. And um, Can I share a story? No, because uh. they're not appropriate. And <laughs> it's not. Remind me to tell they're you. They're not appropriate. Awesome. So, very embarrassing. So anyways, so, like, and I saw, like, he said he was a Christian. He went to church with me. So I got to check my little Christian box. And the thing I didn't realize till after I was out of that relationship and through my heartbreak and everything was that it was a lot of work for me to be worrying about time for Bible study, time to go to church. And he was not a spiritual leader. And I think that, you know, we, I really want to call us out on the lie of, what is a Christian and marrying a Christian guy and really encourage you guys to look for guys that are spiritual leaders because in the long run, that's what's going to keep it going. And in the short term, it might seem tolerable and it won't after you're married or if the relationship continues. And, you know, the other thing is I have to be honest, like I've always been a Christian, but I always thought for me to date a Christian guy, like super Christian guys seem to always be like, really nerdy or they did like come on admit it like the super christian guys were always <laughs> like i know i should be the christian but I, I i don't really want to marry the missionary and i just was honest and so i kind of felt like i had to find this balance between the guy that had a job that made some money and the guy that was a christian and it was a total lie and it wasn't true and so that's the first lie and i promise i won't talk too long because i have so much to say um the second was, um, when I really thought about it, if we're really honest as women, guys are really easy. And, shh, 
I know, it's not true. <laughs> and they didn't hear that. <laughs> as girls, we're, it's really easy to kind of manipulate guys. And no, it is. <laughs> and, and no one over here is saying I'm lying either. And come on. Of course not. It's true. <laughs> thank you. And guys are kind of easy to work. And um, the Nerf guns out here. Anything from, you. you know, to wanting to get the free drink when you got with your girlfriends or whatever you do. You just always find the guy and they're just easy. And I think as girls, like one of the lies that is from the world is that to get the guy you want, you have to do that kind of stuff. And I put it as, you know, being aggressive to get the guy you want, but it's not I say, think aggressive as every little thing you do to change who you are so that they like you more. And, for example, um, you know, you meet a guy, he's really cute, you're attracted to him, and he's really into basketball. And all of a sudden, you really like watching basketball. And you're there and because you want to be near him. Or, um, I kind of did this a little bit with Eric. <laughs> I shouldn't even be saying this, but... Um, how Eric, when I met him, was like a total surfer, surfed all the time, two days a week, or two times a day, and surfed all the time. And I surfed too. Like, I had my own board, and I grew up going to surf camps and stuff, but I wasn't s as into it as Eric was. Well, once I started to like Eric, it was amazing how much I liked surfing again. And, right? I, this is news to me. No, how often did we go out <laughs> surfing after we were seriously dating? Uh, I never went not out. Not a whole lot. No. So, I but mean, our first date was awesome, though. Right. I didn't dupe him, like, way into it. Just in the beginning, I was, like, really into surfing. And I just think we do all these little things that we think we need to do. And so that's my second lie. Um, the third one is that you need to be physical with him and go farther than you'd otherwise want to in order to keep him. And it's kind of a sad truth because it's actually true with a lot of guys. Obviously, we know those are the guys we're not supposed to be with. I know... Um, I was a virgin when I got married, but I definitely went farther than I probably would have wanted to um, in previous relationships simply because I just felt like I should and I felt pressured to do it. And I don't want to, you know, dwell on this, but I just think it's something I want to bring up because it's real and it's a lie of the world. If you want to be with a guy that's truly going to treasure you and cherish you and honor you, that's not going to be something he's going to force from you. And just kind of want to leave that one at that. Um, <laughs> you know, the fourth one I have now is, uh, <laughs> this is another lie, is another thing I did, was I kind of was like really into dating and I never thought about marriage. And I didn't date from a marriage perspective. And I've even had a comment to someone that were like, why do we keep talking about marriage when it's supposed to be a dating series and most of us aren't married? But I think that's the whole point is I know for me, until I was dating Eric, I wasn't dating with a marriage perspective. And when I think of why I dated, I think I dated for many reasons. I think I dated for entertainment, um, to not be lonely, to have someone to do stuff with, because I like the attention. I mean, I could just go on and on and on, but none of them were me actually looking for who could be my potential mate. And I think when you date that way, you set yourself up for heartache because there's no other way it can end without pain on one side or the other. Um, when I was in high school, I dated a lot in high school, but um, I never dated Christians in high school because I knew I wasn't going to marry any of them, so I didn't think it mattered. And in fact, I was telling Eric, my first boyfriend, um, Stefan was his name. <laughs> and Stefan drove a really cool car. Stefan didn't even know his name. <laughs> and the thing about Stefan is, 
I didn't even like him. Like, I didn't. Like, when I think about it, I wasn't even, I didn't like him. But I liked the idea, and there's no way I would ever have even considered marrying someone like that. And all it did was end in kind of a disaster, just like every other one, you know. And so I think that's another lie of the world is just that, you know, you can date date around, have fun, and then later in life when you feel like getting married, you know, that's when you actually get serious, look for the right kind of guy and get married. And that's a lie of the world. Um, And then the fifth one I put was, as long as there's feelings of love, it will all work out. And I think so often as women, we're so emotional, and we love feeling in love, and we love those feelings. And when we do feel those feelings, it's amazing how much stuff is just kind of okay. And it's all going to work out. And I totally have done that myself and have enjoyed that. But the reality is, is you're selling yourself short. And um, so that's another lie of the world. Um, So (laughs) I'm just thinking about stupid things I've done. Um, And another thing, too, just some other points (laughs) before I get into the truth is that another thing I used to do is I would commit myself to these relationships that were unhealthy. But I would feel like I would be a really good girlfriend by committing myself to them. And if there were issues, darn it, we're going to work through them. And I just want to bring up the point that when you have a boyfriend, you have not made a vow before God, a covenant relationship that you need to be with him. And if it's something that you see red flags, it is not, you did not make a vow through thick or through thin. It's thin, get out. And I think too often as women, we try to work on men, help them, help the relationship work, make it work, pour all this energy into something that's just dead on arrival. And I know I wasted so much of my time trying to work through issues when I would have saved myself a lot of pain by just bailing on it. So the truth I want to share with you guys is that the first one is that God wants us to be with a spiritual leader. He doesn't want us to be with a Christian guy. And he wants us to be with someone that is going to lead us and challenges us spiritually. Not See? just join with us in church, guide with us, say, think it's great. We go to Bible study, think Jesus is awesome. They need to think those things, but they need to be ones that challenge us and push us and grow us spiritually. I have never grown more spiritually since I've met Eric. Um, everybody else, I felt like I was the leader. I was like, Bible study is a good idea. And they'd be like, okay. You know, and they would go. And... I just, we can't do that anymore. And that's a truth that we need to cling to. The second truth. Can I jump in there real quick? Yeah. Here's a little tip here. If you're dating somebody, unannounced, just ask, bring a Bible. Hey, I would love you to lead me in a Bible study. And see what he does. If he cannot lead you in a Bible study in just one If he cannot lead you in a single Bible study, he is not equipped to be a spiritual leader for you. That's all you need to know. Guys, get one Bible study. No, I'm just just telling you, right? (laughs) But that is a surefire way. Um, The second truth, and again, like, truths that I'm learning, I cling to those. Because when times get rough, when the world is bombarding you with stuff, that's what's going to keep you centered Um, And this second truth is that in marriage, God wants us to be loved and adored by a man. I think too often we, a lot of us have parents that have the less than ideal marriage, or we see other marriages, and the woman doesn't really seem to be loved and adored. Um, 
and it's more of like maybe they say they're partnership or they're just really good friends. And I think that's selling yourself short. And God talks about in Ephesians 5 about how husbands need to love their wives just as Christ loves the church and as Christ laid down his life for the church. And you can't get any deeper love or adoration than that. And so that's my second truth is that we deserve it. And if you think in your mind that you don't deserve it, that's a lie. And I'm just telling you right now. And you need to give that to God because he doesn't want you to be thinking those things. The third truth I have is that God needs to be put first. We cannot have a healthy, intimate relationship with another person. I'm not even just talking about your future spouse, your, you know, your boyfriend, anything. You can't have another, a healthy, super intimate relationship with another person if you do not have a healthy, intimate relationship with our creator. It's just the truth. We are fallen people where we all screw up. I've screwed up. Everybody has screwed up. And if we cannot get intimate with the perfect God and perfect Jesus, how can we get intimate with another fallen person? And so, I'm just being honest. Um, the fourth thing is it is very clear in the Bible that God wants us to save physical intimacy for marriage. might sound lame, but it's very clear. It's very spelled out. And I don't think he's doing it to rain on the parade. Um, God's doing it because he wants the best for us. And the awesome thing is that if we've already been physically intimate with someone or multiple people, we do not need to feel ashamed. We do not need to feel condemned. Fortunately, we have this amazing forgiving father that we can just give this to him and he takes it. But from this day forward, I really want to encourage you to not be physical inti physically intimate till you're married. Um, I think you'll see a lot of rewards from that. And the fifth thing is that God calls us, so I've been ragging on the guys, which they all deserve, but God calls us, no they don't, um, <laughs> to be the kind of women that would be pursued by a godly man. And, you know, you can read so often the Bible about women that were those kind of women. Proverbs 31 is kind of the classic woman that does it all. And that's something that really hit home for me because I did not meet Eric until I was not looking for a boyfriend and really trying to get my life together. And that's when God put Eric and I together. And I just think that that's the number one way to snag the man that God wants you with. I don't know if he's making faces, but um, just in case. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you can always hit them extra. <laughs> um, that's not true. Um, and so I just want to really encourage you women to kind of find those women in the Bible. You can look at Esther. You can look at Ruth. You can look at the women in Proverbs and strive to be those women. And that's when you'll be pursued. Because a guy that's a spiritual leader is not going to be pursuing a woman that has a life full of junk. It's just the truth. So this is the flip side of it. You want the spiritual leader, you need to figure out what's going on in your own life. And I think the most important thing you can do, the best thing you can do for any relationship, even if you're completely single right now, don't even want to date, the, ugh, makes you just sick to your stomach, or you're in a really heavy relationship, the best thing you can do is start examining what are the lies that you've been speaking into your own life? What are the lies that people speak into you? Are you happy? Are you unhappy? And what are truths? And start digging out that trash and digging out that junk in your life. And when I can attest to it, my personal testimony is that when you find truth, you find freedom. 
And when you get that kind of freedom in your life, you get so much joy. And then it's no matter what God gives you or what he takes away, it's totally okay. And I just want to encourage you to be in that place where it's okay if God gives you a person or takes it away. Because you have him and you just cling to that. And, you know, lastly, I just want to end that if you are dating a guy, I want to encourage you to observe and scrutinize him underneath a magnifying glass. Does he honor God first? Does he honor you? You know, do you guys, how does he handle arguments? How does he an- handle fighting? Are you guys fighting all the time? Dump him. He doesn't honor God? Dump him. It's that easy. And it's that hard. It's so simple to say, you've been dating him for five years and he doesn't even talk about marriage? Dump him. Honestly. Do you really want to be with a guy that doesn't want you that badly? I want for all of you to be with a guy that wants to pursue you so badly that he cannot wait to honor you before God. Um, and then also a thing on being alone. I think being single, for some people, they just look at it as this transition time that's horrible until they finally get married. But I think actually being single is a really cool time because you have the least amount of distractions in your life. And that's when a time where you can really be one-on-one with God and get worked on. And I just want to encourage you to, if you believe God is faithful, to really believe God is faithful. And I think so many times we say that and we parrot that, but we don't really believe that. Because if you believe that God is truly faithful, then being single is totally okay. Because if God is faithful, he's going to bring that person. Reminds me of the story of Abraham in the Bible and how God told him he was going to bring a son to his wife Sarah. And this is when Abraham was really young. Well, Abraham got kind of sick and tired of waiting because he was waiting. Granted, he was waiting a long time. I would have been sick of waiting. But Abraham was tired of waiting. So he decided to take matters into his own hands. So he slept with his um, maidservant. And she had a son for him. And then, later on, in God's timing, God gave Abraham's wife a son. So think about how nice it would have been if Abraham did not have, can you imagine the heartache and the stress that that put in that relationship? That he had a son with the other maidservant. And we even see that follow out in the Bible. That if Abraham had just truly believed what God had promised and truly believed that God was faithful, God still gave him the son. And he would not have had any of that junk in between. And so I kind of want to end on, you know, just looking at your relationships. Is it a gift from God? Is it a heartache? What's the foundation? Are you dependent on it? Because it's not healthy if you're dependent on your relationship. Um, Try to take your emotions out of it and truly ask yourself questions. Like, what's his integrity? What's his character? And if you are single, you know, really wait on God and be faithful for him. Because in his timing, he never lets us down. And I promise you that if it's a desire on your heart to be married someday or to have, you know, an awesome dating relationship... He's not going to wait until you're 97 years old and, like, withered away. He won't do it. And I just want to believe it for that. And lastly, I know I can talk forever, um, I just want to encourage all of you women to get prayer. And there's every week after Epic Life, like during the last worship songs, we have people on the sides that want to pray. I need prayer all the time. I'm a disaster. Actually, I need prayer and therapy all the time. So I'm an extra big disaster. So you're not that bad, I promise.
And so I just want to encourage you, everybody up here that is like standing over there to pray, they all have a lot of problems too that they need prayer for also. So it's nothing to be embarrassed by or to have shame or think your problem's too huge or it's embarrassing to get prayer. Because if I don't get prayer, I'm a total, I'm a more of a disaster than I am right now. And so I just really want to encourage you guys to do that. We want you to pray. It's not weird. And it will totally give you freedom. And girls win. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> All right. So we have, actually, we have a couple minutes here. Um, I'll open it up to a firing squad. If any brave soul has any question whatsoever for, uh, for us in our dating relationship, a story or something. Ouch. Wow. That's, that's, that's twisting my no. words. That's <laughs> twisting my words. I'm uh. showing how God is faithful. <laughs> um, that's a no more questions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Jerome. Well, kind of. Uh, first off, marriage is optional, right? Let's not forget that. Um, it's really up to us. If we don't want to be married, we don't have to be married. And also, I'm at the, the mindset, I'm, I don't think that there's this, uh, uh, you know, you have two people wandering somewhere, and you're just waiting for them just to bump into each other. Um, that's not, I don't, I don't see any place where, where God promises that. And so I, I think that, again, fellas, that God's given us the ability, when we seek him, and he powers us with leadership as we go, and we choose our wife. And we choose our wife after the context of when we have our God assignment. And those people who, when we have our God assignment, and we find a woman who complements that, they're going to be inherently more attractive to us because of it. So I think it really is up to us uh, when we pursue God, is that we don't sit around and we don't wait for the girl to come to us. Uh-uh. Uh, my story of how I met Camille, so uh, we'll do a little reenactment here. So I, I knew of Camille, exactly, <laughs> just like that. So I knew of Camille, <laughs> but I had no, like, context. I had no, like, relationship. We didn't have any friends. I knew her former boyfriend as a roommate, which was really interesting. But I had no context to be like, so, how about them Dodgers? You know, I didn't have anything like that. And so uh, this was the most triumphant moment of my entire life. We were at this huge uh, ball, and our, our college had a new president, so they brought out this huge 60-piece symphony and big band. They had all sorts of music, and so she was dancing. I was on the seat like this, feeling sorry for myself, and being just like, gosh, man, like, you know, there she is. I totally, you know, I'm attracted, but I don't have any context. I don't, you know, I'm whatever. And a buddy's next to me, and is like, yeah, yeah, you know, every guy's been that kind of, you know. I was like, you know what, I'm just going to, I'm going to go dance with her. He's like, no, you're not. He's like, yeah, I am. He's like, you're not going to do squat. You're going to sit there and just cry your little eyes out. And I was like, and I just got up. And I, I literally, I mean, there's like people dancing. I'm just like, I can't like move, but I'm just like, I'm making the charge, right? And I grab oh her hand. Oh, my God, really? <laughs> and I grab her, and I just throw her into like a spin. And then... Guys, take swing dancing lessons. <laughs> Trust me on this. And then, you know, we just totally rock and rolled. 
And she's like looking at me like, huh, you know. <laughs> and I just was like, I, I want to, to be the most fun guy ever to be around. And so I was throwing dips. I was just charging it, you know. It's all I'm true. just, it's just true. going at it, you know. And my buddy's on the side like, you know, like, can't believe I'm doing this. And I'm like, you know, she's back away. I'm like, yeah, you know. So that was like how I jumped into it. And so I was like, you know what? I might as well swing for the fences in this whole, whole gig. What, what good, like, again, no one wants to be third place. Who wants to have a bunt? Or who wants to do like a base hit? Like, I want to swing for the fences. I want to swing as high and as hard as I can. What is the worst thing that can happen? I could have gotten slapped, I guess. I mean, I don't know. So that was how I met her. Yeah. That guys can manipulate women? Right. Well, that's the whole <coughs> point is that our world totally accepts women manipulating men. Like, It's okay. It's okay. And I, that's why I wanted to bring it up because that's a total lie. Well, here, yeah, 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 exactly. But he, here's the, the calling. Again, this is thinking of the role that you go forward to in marriage, right? So if your job as a husband is to take this wife and present her holy and spotless before God, right? Your job is to love and to care and to nurture and pour life and to pray and to present this woman to Christ as a better person than when you first found her. So that means that your dating relationship, if you're encountering drama— you, as a leader, need to draw the line. You're like, look, you're doing this. I'm not going to stand for that because I feel like God has a higher calling. You're being manipulative. You're doing this or whatever. Whatever that is, you, as the leader, have the obligation to speak that truth. And guess what? If she says, like, the heck with you, you're like, you got your answer. When I was getting ready to go my first date with Camille, and I have, I, I've had mentors most of my entire life. I would encourage all you guys, find guys that will pour into you. And I was like, you know what? I don't know a whole lot about her faith. It's really important to me that she's legit. He's like, you know how you can find out? I was like, how? He's like, when you get in the truck, before you start the truck, reach over and just say, I want to pray for tonight. If she runs out of the truck screaming her head off, you have your answer. And if she totally embraces it, then you have your answer there. And so that was my first step of saying, okay, I want to set a precedence, and I want to stand for something higher and greater. I want to defend this dating relationship. And if she totally explodes and rebuffs, then heck, you know, I, I got to go to somewhere else because my job ultimately is to sow life and, and vitality into her to where all that, that drama and stuff, you begin to pull away. And that happens in, in the marriage relationship is that you come together and you begin to pull all this stuff. You as the man, you need to look at your bride. And you need to say, okay, man, there's a ton of stuff you know, both of us. But as the leader, you got to say, man, we got to go here. We got to address this. We got to get free of this stuff. And I, I can honestly say that, guys, if you're in a bad relationship, I put the blame on you. Because you either have a choice to either get out or you have the choice to speak the vision and the leadership into to make the change of it. And if you refuse to do both of those, then I kind of look to you guys and say, man, you're kind of choosing to be in there. So that's my thought. Any other thoughts? Questions? Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Sure. <coughs> yeah, I'll. Uh, Okay, a couple questions. Uh, so the question was, what did presenting uh, her as a pure and spotless bride to Christ, and that basically spiritual leadership. Uh, and the second question is, what does that look like? Practical. So when I got married, <coughs> I uh, we I had was a mess. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, like we both <laughs> were a mess, and like we had, you know, after the honeymoon glow kind of wore off, and I was like, man, life's kind of tough. Like I was self-employed. I was like a sneeze away from bankruptcy any moment of the hour, which I still am. But, I mean, it, it was like a very stressful time, you know, in business. And, uh, you know, she was new. She's always been dependent upon, you know, her family. And so that transition came over to me. And I was coming out of a dorm room, now married, have a business. Where's rent money coming from? And so we had all this stress. And so all of a sudden I just felt like all this stress was beginning to define our relationship. And the context of our relationship was being defined by the stressful circumstances that we had. And so when we moved to Sacramento, I encountered a guy, his name is Chad Everett. Um, you guys uh, will get to know him more, but uh, Chad is an amazing man. And so he and I began to meet regularly. And he began to ask me, he's like, so how are you as a spiritual leader? I was like, I got this spiritual stuff down, but as, as far as a spiritual leader within my marriage, I don't got squat really. Like, I did a really good job of keeping my faith, like, you know, okay. But I got to remember that when two people come together, you become one flesh before God. And so now her spiritual walk is also my spiritual walk, and I'm, I have to fend for that. And one of the things is I just, I, I couldn't even simply pray with her. Because I felt like, oh, it's too awkward. You know, it's like, oh, let's pray, you know. And yuck, yuck. And I didn't like, I just felt like a complete tool moron. So one of the first things was that, if I can't boldly step before her and ask us to go and pray and not be ashamed of that, then there's got to be something wrong. Mm. And so within probably about the, you know, month seven or eight, as I took the initiative and I just said, I want every morning when we get up is I want us to pray. And so that's what we began. And ever since then, every morning when we go to work. Even if you have to wake me up. You have to wake <laughs> her up. I kneel down by her bed. And I said, it's one thing I, I, I can't compromise. Is I got, and, and it, uh, sometimes it's like, oh, we can't do it. And it's like, I feel that. It's like, Arr! you know, go back, wake her up if she's still asleep, and, uh, and go for it. Um, so that was the first thing. The second thing was, it was then having a vision for my own personal spiritual walk. Is that I needed to first take care of me, knowing that if we're one flesh, that what I do is going to spill over to her. Now, I wasn't like, now, Camille, did you read your Bible? I felt that I would God said, have the oh, Bible at him. I would have been knocked out. So I just said, okay, God, I'm going to dive as hard and as deep into praying into your word for me and into our marriage. I began to pray for our marriage and pray that God would reveal things. And so I, in the context of, of, of opening us up to more prayer and being involved in the church more, is I began to run as far as I could into the scriptures myself and into prayer myself. And, and that had this spilling effect and if you begin to legislate you know your wife's spiritual walk you're gonna get what you don't want and so i just said okay lord i'm gonna pray i'm gonna pray that you would unite us that you would grow us and i i oftentimes would would choose that we would go and seek help one of the other things too is that we had a lot of family drama a ton of family drama that was in both of us i had a whole lot of bitterness about stuff and she had a whole lot of other stuff as well and i said you know what I'm not too prideful that we can't, you know, seek this out and bring this to light. 
And so we actively chose to go and, and get all that stuff and just pull it out. And I was like, if we don't get rid of this junk out of our life, it's going to totally kill us. And so those are a few practical things in which we do. But this, to this day, we still do our devotions in the morning. We pray together after that. And uh, we're involved and we serve. And, you know, anytime something comes around, it's we're, we're teammates and partners in it. So uh, what was the other question? Vision for our marriage. Um, it's, it's, uh, our vision for our marriage is, is kind of all over the place. I mean, it, it, our lives are so unpredictable. We both are our own business owners. And so our life, literally, our mission statement is to live passionately. And that can take any forms. This is a passion of ours. We were in Utah last week in snowboarding, so it was a passion there. And so adventure is, is a big theme for us. Travel is really big. And so having uh, a life focus where we're free to do whatever adventure that we can, uh, we've chosen careers that would enable us for that. And so we want to be on the, the you know, cutting edge of whatever God would have, which has a lot of volatility and a lot of unpredictable nature to it. But that's our vision is to be always ready and able for the next God uh, moment and enterprise that would come up. Yeah, I think along with that, I think kind of our vision when I think about it is we really actively seek like what are dreams that God gives each of us, even if they're totally separate dreams, and then share them with each other and then really support each other in that. And that was a totally unique concept to me. I didn't grow up that way. And so I think that's a huge thing that we do, try to do in our marriage is if I feel like I feel really called to do this, I really want to do this, Eric's like, awesome, you want to do rectal exams on every horse in Sacramento, let's do it. You know, I mean, he's like disgusting, but he'll totally support me in it. And uh, that's not one of my dreams. Yeah. And part of my dreams was to, to, to lay down my life and said, I want you to do whatever you want to do. If you want to work 100 hours in a week, and I'll support you. If you want to work one hour a week or none, it's like I, I, I commit my life to serving you and whatever you want to do, I want you to, to feel strong, and we don't need to compromise that. And we said, okay. Well, there's obviously a financial component that comes missing with that, and we said, okay, you know, we're going to seek God first and trust that he's going to work out the details, and we've never bounced a check because of it. So um, we'll close it up here real quick, but um, uh, one quick thing is that in two weeks, we're going to have a panel. So next week is Joanne Cole. She's going to be giving her wisdom and insight. And the final week, we'll do uh, No Limits panel. So um, Cole, Zick, Joanne Cole, and us will be here, and we have a, a slide for how you can text message in questions for that. Um, you guys can do it now. If you like, you can do it next week. You can do it that night. But there's the directions. What this will do is this will allow you to anonymously uh, type in questions if you make want. Make them juicy. <laughs> you can make them as juicy as you want. It'll be a live mic. Uh, please don't make them offensive, though. Um, <coughs> so our last week, we're going to have a time where you know, you've listened to all the different perspectives, and now we can go head-to-head with any question, any scenario. Nothing is off limits. Uh, so you can do that, and so we encourage that. So. Uh, how you guys feel? Did we do okay? You guys on the same page? Yeah? All righty. <clears throat> well, as the, the worship team comes up and sets up, why don't we uh, just commit this evening to God in prayer? And also, uh, we'll be over on the side there during music. If you want prayer for anything, we're available uh, for that. Again, no one is free from their junk. We all need prayer, and if there's something that God's landing heart, even if it is that you would become that leader. Show me what it is to become a leader. If that's your only prayer tonight, then we can do that. If it is, give me patience to wait for that leader to find me. Uh, We would love to pray for you for that. So let us agree in prayer. God, we just surrender this night to you, Lord.
Lord, we expect great things, Lord, in this place and in our lives and in our personal development. And so, Lord, as we come tonight and we close, God, we just pray that anything that is from you, Lord, would stick, and anything that is not of you, that is from us, God, that you just would wipe from our memory. And Lord, you'd impress, God, the truths, God, of your word, of your promises, of your highest, of your best to us. Lord, that we would have an uncompromising commitment, Lord, to your highest. And I pray that you would blow the expectations off us, Lord, that we would have on you, on relationships, on our personal potential. God, that we would be a generation that would seek and find you, Lord, that we would discover who you are, God, through the course of dating, and ultimately, Lord, that you would path, lead the pathway, God, for our life. We just surrender this night. We just believe you for an awesome uh, week this week, Lord, and the rest of our series. We just pray that you grant wisdom in this place and you give some teeth, Lord, to what we should do in our own lives, that we would apply it, Lord, that we would go forward. And we just lay before you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Why don't we all stand here? We'll close it out. And we're around here to talk. And let's uh, invite God's spirit here in this place.